All right, so this is uh, Proverbs 14, <clears throat> verse 1, at, at verse 3, I should say. It says, in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride. And notice that. That's very interesting. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, meaning they'll use their words and, and the foolishness of the flesh that exalts itself always against the knowledge of God, and they use it as a striking instrument. To command attention to themselves. So in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. <clears throat> now, where, where no oxen are, obviously the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. It talks about the ox here. It makes me think of how <clears throat> the apostle uh, Paul, the prior to that, he was Saul in his whole life until approximately to the age of 35 when he met Christ on the road uh, to Damascus and, and he was still yet breathing out slaughterings. Notice that, breathing out slaughterings because he was foolish in himself. And he was breathing out slaughterings against those that were of Christ. And that's when he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And what he heard the risen heavenly Christ say to him, <clears throat> it is hard for you to kick against the ox goats. And see, so it's always hard when the word comes in, when, when an unsaved person, but, but especially too also, it can be a Christian who lives in the flesh, who's experiencing the foolishness of the flesh and, and pride and stubbornness, as is brought out in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23, the word comes in, the, the, the word comes into them, and what happens to that? You know, it's, it's like it's, the ox goad was very, very interesting. It was a, was a long rod, and it had a curl on the end of it, and on the very end of it was a long point. And it was used to trip them up, or to direct them into a proper place. And that's what happened. That's what Saul was doing his whole life. He was kicking against the ox goats. And so that's by the strength of the ox. It's a person, it's like stubborn. It's like a, a pride. Uh, rebellion, is. it says, is as witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry in 1 Samuel 15, 23. That's the strength of the ox in Proverbs 14, verse 4. Then it says, a faithful witness will not lie. So that we know that foolishness or a man's natural wisdom is based upon a lie in John 8, verse 44. Satan is the father of all lies. <clears throat> and just like he fathers and keeps in deception, those that are unsaved in Revelations 12, 9, he can do the same with a believer who, who lives in the flesh. And remember, the flesh is in us in Romans 8, 9, but we're not of it. We're of Christ, but we can live in it. And when we do, when we do, this is what we see. It's based upon a lie. But a false witness will utter lies. So Proverbs 14, 5 says, a faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. 
In other words, it's to speak anything outside of Christ. You see, so anything outside of the grace and truth that Christ is, remember that Christ is, is all of what grace and truth is in John 1 and verse 14, and in Colossians 2.9, and thank, thankful that we're complete in him, filled up in him in 2.10. <clears throat> but here, that's what it's saying here, a false witness utters lies. It utters lies. And a faithful witness is one who functions in Christ. So, but a false witness will utter lies. And a scorner, a scorner seeks wisdom and finds it not. There is a, a natural, earthy, natural, and in James 3.15, that word natural, central there is natural. It's very natural. Everything about the sense of the flesh is, is, is earthy and demonic, it says. And it doesn't come from above in James 3 and verse 15. So a scorner seeks wisdom and doesn't find it. But knowledge is easy unto him that understands. And what makes it easy is it's a yoke. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, all you that labor and are heavy laden. What is that saying? Everyone, every person labors and is heavy laden. Everyone labors with their own things and then tries to do something about them or to tries to do something about others and their labors, and they become heavy laden. We need that yoke. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Result, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, I am gentle and humble, and you'll find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. So here it says this, that's what gives us this understanding. Verse 7, go from the presence of a foolish man. Go from the presence of a Christian, even a Christian, who's continually living in the flesh and doesn't want anything to do with truth. Go from the presence of a foolish man. When you perceive not in him the lips of knowledge. Now again here, <clears throat> We've said, we've been taught that it, the most of, if not all, or at least most of the majority of our struggles are not from what we don't know, but it's what we do know and refuse to do because of the foolishness and pride of the flesh, this fleshly demonic wisdom that keeps us captive and causes the enemy uses the world that's not submitted, we see in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 25 to keep us opposing ourselves because our will has been captured by him experientially by the enemy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. So you're to go from the presence of a foolish man, meaning he, the individual knows what's right but still doesn't do it. Time after time, still will not do it, won't do it. What should you do? Go from the presence of a foolish man. There's no fellowship in that. There's no fellowship in the foolishness of the flesh. It has nothing to do with who Christ is in his person and what he has accomplished in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. 
And that's why in Matthew 18 and 20, it says where the two or three are gathered together in his name. It's nothing about the flesh, the pride of the flesh, the foolishness of the flesh has nothing to do with that. And when you perceive not in him, the lips of knowledge, what do you do? You leave. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. And again, not to get influenced and to get intertwined. Not to meddle with those that are given to change in Proverbs 24 and 21. That means to get entwined with them. Entwined with them. Because when you go to them, and it's not about Christ and fellowship. And this is what makes it necessary to know who we're to be with. And it's necessary to be sent. Because if a person, a Christian, is living in foolishness, we need to know that if we're supposed to be with them and to be sent to them. Because if not, then we get entangled and entwined in their ways. That's 1 Corinthians 15.33. Evil companions. That's what it says. Evil companions. Now, a believer may not be evil in God's sight, but when they live in the flesh, that's evil behavior. That's what it is. When they're not going forward with truth, okay, and it's like many in John 6, 66, many of his disciples, they knew the truth. They went back and walked no more with him. So should you continue to walk with them? And you shouldn't. This is what the word is teaching us this morning. So the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. And what is deceit? Who does the deceiving in Revelations 12, 9? It is the enemy who does the deceiving. You know that when we don't go forward with Christ, we go right back to the old ways again. If not in them full-blown, at least we live a life of being constantly tempted by them and not experience the freedom in Galatians 5, 1, that's ours in Christ. Here's verse 9. Fools make a mock at sin. Sooner or later, sooner or later, fools make a mock at, at sin. In Hosea 4, in verse 6, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Hosea, is speaking to backslidden Israel. And this is what he states. And this is what he says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And it's not that they didn't have it, it's that they had it, but refused it. They mocked it. They make a mock of it. And God, in Galatians 6 and verse 7, you can be sure of this and I can be sure of this, will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. What's the proof? Whatsoever a man sows, he's going to reap. You, if we think that we can live in the flesh and not, <clears throat> and not function under all the evil effects of it, is proof that God will not be mocked. <clears throat> so here, fools make a mock at sin. But among the righteous, there is favor. There's all constantly grace. That's why in Ephesians 4 and verse 29, And this is what foolishness is. It's corrupt. It's a corrupt and decaying, it has a corrupt and decaying effect on the believer, on their proper position in Christ based upon their experience because it's the flesh that invades it. 
<clears throat> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace <clears throat> unto the hearers. And so fools make a market at its sin, but among the righteous there is favor. And what happens? The heart knows, the heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not intermeddle with the joy. Now, with that joy. So we see here the, the truth of these things. <clears throat> we see that. Now, in, in Proverbs 15 and verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, which is foolishness, which we say, so another, again, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And Ephesians 4.29, and, and grieve not, pain not, not put to pain the Holy Spirit from revealing Christ in you, and in you and through you, and using your words in a way to build up and not bring in corrupt, corruptness. <clears throat> Again, this makes it very important about who we're to be with. Making a plan, having a plan. And so if God's going to send me to go somewhere, he's got a plan. <clears throat> and that plan involves who I should be with and who I should not be with. He makes it crystal clear. Very, very crystal clear. Again, you don't go to them. You let them come to you in Jeremiah 15 and verse 19, you learn how to separate you separate the precious from the vile. And you let them, you don't go to them when they know better. You let God deal with them. Otherwise, you get in the way of God dealing with them. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness thereof, there is, is a breach in the spirit. And when there's a breach in the spirit, it's because of the foolishness of the soul life, the self-life, hasn't been separated in Hebrews 4.12, based upon John 17 and verse 17. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And that's the measure of our fellowship. Christ and him alone is the measure of our fellowship. And if that's not coming out of even a believer, okay, on a continual basis, should you be with them? The answer is no. Verse 5. A fool despises his father's instructions. I, re I can recall even recently certain individuals even saying to me, because of the word now, because of the word, and grace and truth, for years of grace and truth of God in my life, flowing in and through me to others, where others said, you're like a spiritual father to me. And where are they now? I'll tell you why. Because a fool despises his father's instruction. But he regards re, but he that regards reproof, correction, instruction, dealing with issues in your life that aren't of Christ, is prudent. Is prudent. <clears throat> and that's why in the house of the righteous there's much treasure. That treasure in 2 Corinthians 4 7 is Christ. 
but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Is the is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Notice that the knowledge that comes from the love of you know God's love for the individual that flows through them through grace. But the heart of the foolish does not so. So who's a fool? A fool is one who does not want Christ in their experience any longer. It's now all about themselves. It's all about the self-life. And so the sacrifice of the wicked, an unbeliever, can a, can a believer who's positioned in Christ function experientially like an unbeliever? Yeah, they live just like the world. And they surround themselves again, not with other believers, but with others that are worldly. And they hide in that. You see, we either hide in Christ experientially or we hide in sin. But that's in the eyes of the Lord. Every secret sin, every secret thing is in his eyes in Psalm 90 and verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. When you can't have fellowship, I don't care who it is, when you and I can't have fellowship because of another believer is living in foolishness, we're not to get intertwined with them again in Proverbs 24 and 21. What are we to do? We're to pray for them. We're to, we're to pray for them. That's what we're to do. Verse 10 of Proverbs 14. Correction is grievous unto him that forsakes the way. The proper way. The proper place. Proper teaching. And he that hates reproof will die. In other words, live in death. Separated from God. So, but again, like this morning, we see here in, in Proverbs 15, and I've been reading from Proverbs 15, by the way, from chapter 14 and in Proverbs uh, chapter 15. But here we see in, 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 in verse 12 that a scorner loves not one that reproves him. Oh, boy. Well, I'm not going to come anymore because some... I just got corrected for what, doing what I know I shouldn't do, but I'm doing it anyway. And when I got corrected, well, I didn't love that. I didn't like it. And neither will he go unto the wise. But you know, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The spirit is broken. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart has a continued feast. And that's why it's better with little, with the reverence of the Lord, than great treasure and trouble thereof. You know, that's what happens with some. God has to reduce people. God brings Christians to, to a place to bring in truth in terms of knowledge, but then brings in the circumstances and situations that will reduce them. So that what they knew and knowledge becomes their experience. And that experience only becomes real when we're brought in every place in the self-life to self-helplessness and self-hope. And when, I, when my circumstances and situations change and we're not agreeable to me and they're not easy anymore, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to leave. 
Well, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox with hatred thereof, a feast. And this all has to do, and we'll get into this at a different time, in all the Hebrew and Greek words. Uh, Avivaleth, Leth in, in the Hebrew, Moros in the Greek. And what these words mean and their meaning and their depth is really amazing. And so we see here again in Proverbs 15 <clears throat> and verse 20, a wise man makes a glad father. Oh, how a spiritual father when he sees the spiritual children growing in grace and knowledge in Second Peter 3 and verse 18. On the, on the path that's lit up in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. But, and a wise son makes, makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Notice that. <clears throat> and so what we see here is very, very clearly that the Lord in 1529 of Proverbs, the Lord is far from the wicked, one who lives as an unbeliever, one who lives by their own foolish reasonings and thoughts that have never been cast down, meaning you know better in what you should do in, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, but you refuse to do it. You know you need to cast down this foolish reasonings that tell you that you can do something without God or that you don't need the body or that you don't need to be in the place where God has called you and you don't need that preaching and teaching anymore. The Lord is far from the unbeliever. They have no peace in Isaiah 57, 19 to 21. No matter how they look you in the eyes and tell you everything is fine and everything is different. No, the Lord is far from the unbeliever. But he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes the bones fat. It affects your health. Your soul life affects your health. That's what it says in 3 John 2. Beloved, I, be, I, uh, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How does the soul prosper? From being cut off from the self-life in Hebrews 4.12. And some don't like the cutting and piercing of the word. Some don't like that. The ox doesn't like to be pierced and told, and told you need not to go that way. You need to go this way. Well, they don't like being tripped up. Don't like it. See? But the fear, the reverential awe in Proverbs 15.33, the reverential awe and fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Before that. You see. So. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. No, I don't have to go to them. I didn't do anything wrong. They were wrong because they preached the word to me and I didn't like it. I don't have to go with them. And even when I say that I will, I never did. I don't have to go to them. No. And believe me, with that attitude, we wouldn't want you to go to us until you, until you get right and we can have an exchange of a fellowship and you can function 
in, in, your, in your own supply with a proper image and thereby give Christ to one another. Yes, absolutely desire that with every Christian. Every single Christian. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better is it to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You see, that's what makes this very important. This is what makes it important here. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. You can't, you can't get through to them. They won't allow it. As much as God knocks, Jesus knocks. You know, in Revelations 3.20, and it says he knocks on the door. He's knocking on the door. That's not a salvation verse. He's knocking on the door of, of, of a believer to allow him to come in. But he must increase in John 3.30. But I must decrease. It can't be self and all about self and Christ at the same time. Cannot be can't be so understanding is that but is a wellspring of life unto him that has it but the instruction of fools is falling the heart of the wise teaches his his mouth and adds learning to his lips pleasant words are as a honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones and you know, here's the way to the foolish. There is a way that seems right unto a man. The man living apart from Christ, what he knows to do and still does it. In James 4 and verse 17, to him it is sin. But the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, it's the way of death. And so as we look at this in Proverbs 17 and, and verse 2, it says, a wise servant will have rule over a son that causes shame and will have part of the inheritance among the brethren. Here's verse 3. The fining pot is for silver. Putting believers in a place to reduce them. And boy, you don't like that. The flesh doesn't like it. And fights and resists against it. And when it can't have its way or when it can't depend on another to do for it what it doesn't want Christ to do, out it goes. Time to leave. Time to go. Time to go back and walk no more with him in John 6 and verse 66. The finding part is for silver. It's for redemptive reasons. The trial, the fiery trial in 1 Peter 4.12. Why do we think it's so strange? Why is all this happening to me, God? What did I do or what I didn't do? No, the trial is to bring out the gold in 1 Peter 1, 7 and Job 23 and verse 10. The finding part is for silver and the furnace for gold to bring out, to do away with the flesh and the experience and bring out the gold and silver of Christ. But the Lord tries the hearts. He does that much as we want to blame others. A wicked doer gives heed to false lips what the enemy speaks. Every high thing, that's what the enemy speaks. 
That's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. And imaginations are reasonings that, that come from the enemy and don't come from Christ. Casting down reasonings and every high thing. The high thing here, there in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, are, are what, the, what the individual would give heed to false lips. And a liar gives ear to a naughty tongue. Notice. Whoso mocks the poor reproaches his maker, and he that is glad at calamities will not be unpunished. What 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 is caused? Now, here we see some tremendous things here. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. And and again, it can be natural Christian ones. You know, those that you were born or can be your spiritual ones. Excellent speech becomes not a fool. Excellency of speech becomes not a fool. Much less do lying lips a prince who thinks he is something apart from Christ. Okay. Verse, verse 8. A gift is as a precious stone in the eyes of him that has it. Who, wherever it turns, it prospers. That's Christ in the soul and with the will submitted. The treasure comes out of the weak, frail vessel, but the treasure comes out. And by the way, it lights up the whole vessel. You'll see that in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. You'll also see it in Psalm 34 and verse 5. We get lit up with his light. We are lit up ones so that we don't walk in the foolishness and pride of the darkness and the lies of the enemy. Verse 9, he that covers a transgression, he that covers it seeks love. Doesn't allow those to live in it, but by prayer, but by prayer. But he that repeats a matter separates very friend. A reproof enters more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Let a bear, you know what a bear, a grizzly bear, let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in all his folly. And here's what a fool does. One that's been given the word, one that's been invested with the word. Here's what happens. Whoso rewards evil for good until it's been gotten right, evil will not depart from his house. He will not stop being affected by evil until he gets right with, it, with God first and himself and then with others. You see, so again, here is Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, verse 1. Through desire, or in other words, he that separates himself from Christ, from fellowship, from the body of Christ, seeks only according to his own fleshly desires. That's what the Hebrew brings out here, by the way. And then he begins to intermeddle with every kind of other business. You know what that means? Oh, how the enemy will even bring in a supply. What a believer thought he might have been missing in a certain area where God had called him thinks he can go back and then get business. And all that is doing is reinforcing the way that he's living in. 
He gets, he, he gets intermeddled with all other business. Through desire, that's what through desire, a man having separated himself. I don't want anything to do with them. I can get this somewhere else. They're not the only ones. I don't have to receive, just receive from them. Separates himself. He seeks and intermeddles with all other wisdom. It's not the wisdom of God. And you see that in James 3 and verse 15. A fool has no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. He's only interested in his own opinions. Yeah, I know what the word says, but. Yeah, I know what the word says, but. But this is how I think. I know what the word says, but this is what I believe. Really, can there be those two same things? Well, what a thing this is to understand. What, what a thing this is here. That in all of us, where is all the foolishness that we can function in as believers that are in Christ when we don't function in him? It's called the flesh. It's called the flesh. That's why we need a continual separation. That's why we, know, we need to know before we go anywhere, or before whoever we go with at any time that we're sent there by God. And God is very specific in his loving protection for us. Very specific. Who I should be with. Who I should be with. Because if I'm not sent there by God, if there's not fellowship, that simply means that I will get in, intertwined and intermeddled with all their foolishness. Proverbs 24 and 21. And 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33. Evil companions destroy good manners. That's what it says. And there's a reason for that, especially for, for, for younger people too, by the way. Especially this is true. We see this. And so then we can see that why we need this constantly this separating, sanctifying truth in John 17, 17, and in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, is because in Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices in a man's heart he's not even aware of. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord will stand. The desire of a man is his kindness, which he receives from grace. And he functions in truth. And a poor man is better than a liar. The fear of the Lord tends to life. And he that has it will abide satisfied. He will not be visited with evil. Verse 25. Here we are in Proverbs 19 again. Smite a scorner and the simple, the humble, will, will beware. And reprove one that has understanding, and he will understand knowledge. He that wastes his father and chases away his mother is a son that causes shame and brings reproach. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. An ungodly witness scorns judgment, just judgment discernment from God through the word. And the mouth of the wicked devours, devours iniquity. And really for us, for us in Christ, and this is why he always, we always need discipline from our loving Father, each and every single one of us in every stage of our growth, 
in 1 John 2, 12 to 14, whether we're babes, young men, or spiritual dads, we need this loving correction. We need to be separated from it. And that's why we get into, as we close this morning, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 1, it says, Be you therefore followers of God, and be around those that follow God. Be around those that love to be around the body of Christ and don't separate themselves from it. Be you therefore followers of God as dearly beloved children, as those that are intimately loved by him. And walk in love. Walk in love. There is no walking in love experientially through the foolishness and pride of the self-life. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, that's his love in Romans 8.31 and Psalm 56 and verse 9, God is for us, for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, this is spiritual fornication, spiritually going out and, and getting and being seduced by doctrines of demons in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, some, and it's Christians there in 1 Timothy 4, 1, some will depart from the faith, all the teachings and preachings about who Christ is and what he's accomplished in his person. Simple as that. Some will give, depart from the faith. What do they do? Give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach. That's what it says. But that's fornication. In all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as, as, as what you should be in your right character. That's what it means, becoming a saint. A saint is one who separated from the old positionally, but also experientially in growth, in grace, and knowledge in Second Peter 3 and verse 18. Here it is, verse 4. Neither filthiness, here we go, nor foolish talking, no foolish talking has nothing to do with fellowship in Christ. Not, not a thing to do with it. No foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Rather giving of thanks. It's really these things for us. And you can follow it down through. You see this in verse 5. For you... For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who was an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, we may have that, that inheritance in our position, but if we live in any of these things, uh, a whoremonger or unclean or being covetous or live in idolatry, and remember, stubbornness is idolatry, by the way. It's giving heed to seducing spirits and we set up and they set us up to be hard and resist in stubbornness the truth that we know that we should do and submit to but that we don't do. Has any experience in the kingdom of God and of Christ? Of course, unbelievers and of course, fleshly Christians experientially. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Oh, everything's still fine. Really? Living in disobedience? known disobedience, it's not fine. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Because of these things, 
come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And there's a godly anger in Ephesians 4 and verse 26 that, that God can express to us even in loving chastisement. Because of Psalm 97 and verse 10, okay, all you that love hate evil. And God hates evil in our experience and he will, in anger, drive it out. But it's still loving chastisement in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 and in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 to 29. So let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience that choose to live in unbelief even when they know better. Here's verse 7. Listen, we need to know who we should be with. Be not you therefore partakers with them. Did we hear that this morning? Be not you therefore partakers with them. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light with others that walk in the light and other children that don't walk in the light, but walk in the, in the darkness of disobedience. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and here it is, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. This is why I can't be with you. And I love you, but I can't be with you right now. And hopefully, that kind of loving reproof, and that's you loving them, by the way. When you're not supposed to be with them, you be with them anyways. That has nothing to do with love. Okay, That's just sentimentality of the flesh and natural relationships. It doesn't have a thing to do with spiritual realities in Christ. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Rather, reprove them. And that's to speak the truth in love in Ephesians 4, verse 15. It's not living in the flesh against their flesh, but it's reproving them, is, is speaking the truth to them in love. And being a joint that supplies to them when they refuse to live in the supply that's theirs in Christ. In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved, which means discovered, but all things are, are discovered, all things that are discovered are made manifest by the light. And boy, when I don't want them, why don't men, why don't Christians, when they know better, come to the light? Because they love darkness rather than light. You read it in John 3, 17 to 22. If you love the light, you come to the light. But if you love the darkness more than the light, you don't draw near to the light or where the preciseness of the word is being taught. You withdraw and say, I can get by with just this. Well, that's a shame. But all things that are discovered are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore, he says, awake you that sleep. Awake you that sleep. In Isaiah 60, verse 1. Awake. Awake you that sleep. In the passivity and disobedience, sleeping in the natural life, in ease and comfort. I don't want to be put in narrow straits, narrow situations and circumstances that reduce me in the flesh so that I can experience Christ. I don't want that. 
What? Wherefore, he says, awake you that sleep and arise from the dead, spiritually dead, separated from, from, and Christ will give you the light. Then you see that you walk circumspectly, not as what? Fools, but as wise. Now redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you, Christian, who knows better, all of us, each and every single one of us, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That has to do with a place, by the way, a specific location, by the way, which absolutely it, it does. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Stop being drunk with wine under the influence of the atmosphere. Wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making a beautiful melody in your heart to the Lord. And this is what this means. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he says. He, he wants to declare every truth about us with us, Christ does, to his Father with us. And that's Hebrews 2.12 and Psalm 22 and verse 22 is what he desires to do. What a privilege. What an amazing thing. Oh, how Christ desires intimacy with us. And oh, how the enemy hates it. Will give us every cloak, every excuse not to do it. In Proverbs 15 and verse 22. Submitting yourselves one to another. Does a fool like to submit himself to others? No. Especially to those that once taught them. In Hebrews 13, 17, these are your guides. And when I don't want to be guided anymore by the light, I prefer darkness. I don't want the guide anymore. I no longer want to submit and yield to them. Submitting yourselves one to another in the reverence of, of God, in the very reverence of God. And we have so much to be thankful for. You see, this is God's loving protection for each of us. Because we all have the flesh that's in us, but it's not of who we are in Christ. And so he teaches us. And in teaching, a teaching a lot of times, this is what makes it so necessary to be entreatable and to receive the word in the right way. Because what might be being taught might not be where we're living in disobedience, but it can be protection so that we continue to live in obedience. That is 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. There, there is a discipline and instruction that comes and it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's God's anticipative love and his prevenient grace because maybe I don't, I'm, I'm unaware of a circumstance that I'm going to be in, but God is, and he'll give me the, the knowledge of that truth and, and if, when I'm entreatable in, in and when I receive it and don't think it's against me, it can prepare me to meet that circumstance and situation through the submission of Christ that prepared me ahead of time that even before I walked in that thing. And that's what Jesus was saying as we close this morning in John 13, 19 and 14, 29 and in Isaiah 46 and verse 10 and Acts uh, 15 and verse 18. These truths are brought up. Not God tells us these things before they come to pass that when they come to pass, we might believe have the ability to instantly submit to truth so the evil doesn't affect us. 
in the circumstance, in the situation that is in the, 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 the pre-science or the prescience of the mind of Christ. Because he knows all things. And he knows how to deliver those that are his in 2 Timothy 2, 19 and 20. Because he knows all things in 1 John 3 and verse 20. And he's omnipotent. He has all the power to do it in Revelations 19 and verse 6. For God has not given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, but of power and love and a very well-disciplined mind. And Father, thank you so much this morning for your loving counsel that is, is preventative in its instruction or to deal with us in areas where we know that we haven't been functioning in the right way to keep us from the way of death in Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25 because our goings are not of ourselves. We're not in Proverbs 20.24. We're not in control of ourselves. We're not a master of ourselves. In Matthew 6 and verse 24, Christ is our master. He's, and when we have him, we have a single eye. Our whole body is lit up. We have a single eye in Matthew 6 and verse 22. So Father, thank you for your loving, precious, beautiful counsel that you have for us, for every believer. No matter where we're living, you love us. We can live in darkness and foolishness. Many of our loved ones do. We have at times. And many of our loved ones and dear ones do. And they are not our enemy at all. No. And sometimes we need to be shaken up from the sleep that we're in. And that's what God does with the beautiful counsel of his, of his word his loving counsel, and his loving chastisement. Father, thank you so much for the preciousness that you have made ours in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.